Amen. Amen. Well, like Rachel said, welcome to Meadows Church. We're so glad that you're here. My name is Sarah, and man, it's always a privilege for me to be here. And what I love doing anytime I get the opportunity to step up here, I always like to give honor to Pastor Monty. So we know he's going to watch us eventually. So can we just together give some honor to Pastor Monty who leads us and his family. So grateful for all of them. They're over at Crossover Church. I don't know how many of you know that. Crossover is a, uh, a sister of a, a daughter church of Meadows, was bred from Meadows Church. A number of people who started off serving here now serve there. So just across, the, across town here in Omaha. But I want to start off by making a statement. The decisions that you make today will impact lives for eternity. A heavier way to say that would be the decisions you make today have consequences for eternity. And if you're writing stuff down, go ahead and you can go ahead and write that down. If you're not writing stuff down, write it down. So, uh, but seriously, we need to know this. We need to understand this. And I thought, man, what better way to help us understand this than the greatest storytelling in all of history besides the stories that we hear from the Bible, right? Star Wars. We got any Star Wars fans here? Come on. Come on. I love Star Wars. Always have since I was a kid. Been super enamored by it. And even if you don't love Star Wars, you're about to get a little 101 on just how good it really is as a storytelling mechanism. So Darth Vader, right? Everybody knows Darth Vader. He's this big imposing, ruthless, just absolutely diabolical Sith Lord. And he's also a slave. I don't know if you know that. He's a slave to Emperor Palpatine. But Darth Vader, he wasn't always Darth Vader. He was once a young boy named Anakin Skywalker who had dreams of bigger things, right? And, and Anakin Skywalker, you can throw up the next pick of Anakin and there's, I believe, Qui-Gon Jinn as well. Yeah, there we go. So, and that's Anakin Skywalker right there, and that's Darth Vader right there in the middle. Spoiler alert for those of you who have never seen Star Wars. That's Darth Vader. I know. It's crazy. But Anakin was also a slave, just like Darth Vader. He was a slave boy from this planet called Tatooine, a desert planet that nobody really cared about. I mean, he was a nothing, a nobody from nowhere to almost everybody Except for that guy right there with the long hair. His name's Qui-Gon Jinn. He's a Jedi master. And Qui-Gon Jinn encounters Anakin seemingly by pure happenstance. Seemingly out of just a pure coincidence. But we, we all know if you've seen the story, right? It was really more of a fate, a divine intervention that Qui-Gon would find him. That he would meet him. And that's also Obi-Wan Kenobi. I don't know many Obi-Wan Kenobi fans in the room, but... Qui-Gon, Anakin, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and you got R2-D2 back there as well. That's a really great crew. So this is what happens. Anakin is a slave. He's about 9 or 10 years old. He's been in slavery his entire life, him and his mom both. They encounter Qui-Gon Jinn on Anakin's home planet, Tatooine, by pure coincidence. And what happens? Qui-Gon sees something in Anakin that not even Anakin knew about himself. He sees the chosen one. You know, he sees the one that's supposed to fulfill these prophecies of, of, you know, ages past. That he's going to be the one to bring balance to the force. That he's going to be the one to destroy the Sith forever. And Qui-Gon sees that in him. But Obi-Wan Kenobi and pretty much everybody else, they don't see it in him. As a matter of fact, in this scene right here, 
or right before this scene, Obi-Wan Kenobi actually calls Anakin. He's like, are we bringing another useless life form aboard this ship? Like, you got Jar Jar Binks, the most random character in existence, who he's comparing Anakin to Jar Jar Binks, this, this actual human being. He's like, are we bringing another useless life form? Like, what are you doing caring about all these people? But that was the thing about Qui-Gon that didn't exist in Obi-Wan Kenobi or really any of the other Jedi at this time. Qui-Gon cared. He loved. He saw the best in people. And he realized that as the Jedi are kind of losing their way, they're becoming so political. They're becoming so obsessed with their religion and rituals. Qui-Gon felt like, man, the goodness of the Jedi, the purity of the Jedi can coexist with love and care and compassion. And what he realized when he encountered Anakin who didn't have a father in the films, by the way. He's immaculately conceived. He realized that he could be the father that Anakin never had. And this is where the story kind of takes a crazy turn. So I want to cue up the duel of the fates right here, and it's going to just be playing behind me. That's Darth Maul, by the way, the coolest character ever in all of Star Wars. He's got the horns. Got the, he's just this pure embodiment of evil. And this duel of the fates, as it's called officially, is a duel of the fates for one particular reason. Because Qui-Gon, with the green lightsaber there, he's fighting for Anakin Skywalker. He's fighting for the opportunity to raise him how he's supposed to be raised as the chosen one. And what's happening here is that evil is intervening with that fate. There's one fate with Qui-Gon as Anakin's father, you know, father figure, and there's another fate that we end up seeing unfold. So as this battle goes on, Darth Maul, spoiler alert, him right there, he wins the fight. He wins the fight. He defeats Qui-Gon Jinn. And in that moment, everything completely changed. Anakin's destiny went from being the chosen one who was going to be trained by Qui-Gon Jinn. He's going to bring balance to the force. To now he's being trained by Obi-Wan Kenobi, who, I mean, he said useless life form, right? He doesn't see the best in him. He trains Anakin, Obi-Wan does, over time, out of obligation to his master who dies in this duel of the fates. And as Obi-Wan trains him, he kind of clips Anakin's wings a little bit. He kind of makes him feel like you can't, you can't care so much that you want to go leave and save your mother. He finds out that his mother is dying in the next film, Anakin does, and, and he wants to go save her but Obi-Wan clips his wings and says, no, you can't be so attached as a Jedi. You, have, you can't feel this much. And he clips his wings and he clips his wings until the point that Anakin realizes, I've lost Qui-Gon who believed in me. I've lost my mother. I've lost everything. I don't even have the Jedi behind me. They don't even care about me. And so what does he do? He goes back to the life that he knew as a boy, as a slave in service to the emperor. And when that happens, it changes the entire course of the story. There's one thread of Star Wars that we know where Anakin becomes Darth Vader after this battle a few years later. And then there's another thread that we don't see, which is where he doesn't, where he actually lives out being the chosen one. And why do I tell you that other than to be able to just talk about Star Wars in church because it's awesome? I tell you that because one decision or one event can completely change the outcome of eternity. It really can. The decisions that you make today, like I said before, they will impact lives for eternity. So what decisions ultimately have the most impact, right? What decisions have that impact for eternity? Well, 
It's whether or not we live in love like Jesus. Very, very simple stuff, right? It's not, it's not, doesn't need to be overcomplicated. I've said this before and you've heard this before, but Jesus said it, the greatest commandment. He gets asked, what's the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, it, it seems so simple. You could even boil it down to something that, that I learned when I was growing up in the church. Love God, love people. Super, super simple, right? But very, very hard to execute, apparently. Easy to know, difficult to do. But Jesus said that's what we're supposed to do. And how did he do this? How did he set this example? He set this example by doing three things. If you're writing, it, writing stuff down, write this down. Jesus saw people, number one. He saw people. Remember I said Qui-Gon saw the best in Anakin and Obi-Wan didn't? Jesus sees the best in you. We just sang about that. We sing about you assume the best in me, but really what that means is that you see the best in me despite my weaknesses, despite my mistakes, despite my flaws, despite the things that I hate about myself. Jesus saw people, number one. Number two, Jesus had compassion, always. And he's, look up all the stories about Jesus and, and how he reached people. After he sees them, what does he do? He has compassion on them. He has compassion on them. And number three, he always met needs. Jesus always met felt needs. So Jesus did these three things, saw people, he had compassion, he met needs. And when he lived this example, I, I know we like to say we follow Jesus, but following Jesus requires us to actually actively do those things, to do the things that, you know, he did so that we can actually say, hey, I'm following this guy. I'm doing what he said to do, right? He's, he's led by example. He's given us the blueprint, and he's proven that the decisions that you make will have an impact for eternity, not just for you, but for other people as well. There's people all over this world in desperate need. There's people in this room in desperate need. Amen? I mean, we just got to acknowledge, you know, we, we know, we sing about it. He's the only one that can satisfy. We got to be desperate for Jesus. But we also know that there's people that are desperate to, to be seen, to have compassion, and, and to have a need met. There's people all over the world struggling. And it's not just that we can help as God's church, as the church that, you know, we say we follow Jesus Christ, Right? It's not just that we can help, it's that we're called to help. We're actively meant to do these things. And if it's a priority for Jesus, meaning people, that has to be a priority for us. And we have opportunities to get outside these walls, but we got to understand how serious it is. You know, whatever headway has been made in terms of poverty among developing countries, since COVID-19, I need you to know this, that the the Poverty reduction progress has been uh, set back by three to 10 years, which is kind of crazy to think about. One out of every 27 children will die before the age of five, mostly because of malnutrition. Hundreds of millions of kids don't go to school because they can't. Billions of people, that's multiple billion, they don't have basic sanitation in their home, like toilet and basic things that often gets taken for granted. And I don't say these things. This is not a guilt trip session. This is like an awareness session, an eye-opening session, right? We got to understand what's going on because what did Jesus do? He saw people. 
He had compassion. He met needs. Would have been easy for Jesus. Remember the story about the Good Samaritan where he talks about the two different people who walked by on the other side of the road and just didn't look over at the person that was in need. Or they looked over, even worse, saw that he had a need and, and just continued moving along. But Jesus said the example that we're supposed to follow is to go across the road and go to that Samaritan person, right? To be the good Samaritan and to be somebody that actively meets needs after seeing people and having the compassion in our heart that comes from being changed from the inside out by the Holy Spirit. That's the, that's the life that we're supposed to live. And I think a lot of times we think that, man, what little, what little we do as, a, as one individual or as a couple or as a church like, it's really not going to make that big of a difference, right? Like, we're just one drop in this gigantic ocean of problems across the world that we can't fix. But man, the ripple effect, maybe even the tidal wave or whatever, whatever analogy you want to use of the entire church being involved, seeing people, having compassion, and meeting needs, it's going to change the world. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. And we've been learning through this series called The Kingdom Mindset. You see this rope here at the front of the stage. That it's not, life is not about living for this little red piece right here, right? Like this little red piece on the rope represents our life in the earth. And everything else represents all the, you know, basically eternity before and the eternity after, right? We're going to spend eternity somewhere, but we got to spend right now right here. And it's not about living for this little red strip. It's about living with the rest in mind and making the most out of this. And if you're not doing that yet, I want to help us get to that point. You can make a difference. You really can. I heard a pastor say one time, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. And I love that. I love that. It eliminates the, the excuse from us to say, well, I can't really make that big of a difference I'm just one person out of billions. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. There's this kind of cheesy story about a dad and his kid walking along a beach after a big hurricane, and all these starfish wash up on the beach. So they're out of their element, right? They're supposed to be in the water, but they're not. And the son and his dad are walking, and they're walking side by side, and all of a sudden the dad notices the son is kind of lingering behind. So he turns around. He sees the kid picking up starfish, throwing them into the water one at a time. There's thousands of them, but he's picking them up one at a time and throwing them in. He's like, son, come on, we don't have, we don't have time to, we can't save all the starfish, right? We can't, we can't do that. You're not going to make a big difference just picking up one out of thousands and throwing it back in. And the son, you know, in his great wisdom, he picks up another one. He says, I made a difference for that one. And he picks up another one, made a difference for that one. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone, right? I get that example is maybe a little corny, but how about an example that Jesus gives? How about some teaching that Jesus gives, right? I, I am, uh, you know, nothing compared to him as a teacher, so I figure let's just roll with what he said. Matthew chapter 25, if you got your Bibles, I would encourage you to bring your Bibles to church. It's a good thing. If not, open up your phone, open up the Bible app, go to Matthew chapter 25, get ready to highlight some good stuff. Because Jesus says good stuff, amen? Otherwise, this stuff will be on the screen for you to follow along as well. But I want to encourage you to get active in everything. You know, that means bringing your Bible, pulling up the mobile device, do all those different things. 
Just don't scroll on Facebook, okay? That's, you know, we don't need that in this place. Um, okay, Matthew 25, 31 through 46. A bit lengthy here, but bear with me. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Pause there for a second. What do all those things have in common? Seeing people, having compassion, meeting needs, right? He says, then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, they didn't even realize. He's like, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. The king will turn to those on the left then. That's not the end of the story. The king will turn to those on the left, the goats, remember? Away with you, you cursed ones. Into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked, and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? What are you talking about, right? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refused to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. The duel of the fates, right? Two different roads that we can take. One road involves seeing people, having compassion, meeting needs. The other road involves basically ignoring all of that, right? When you do for one what you wish you could do for everyone, you're not just doing it for the least of these. You're doing it for the king, King Jesus. That's what he just told us. That's what he just taught us. You're not just doing it for somebody that may just be another face in a crowd of seven, eight billion people. You're doing it for King Jesus. And when you approach it from that way, you're truly approaching it with what? The kingdom mindset, right? When you have a kingdom mindset towards people, it impacts eternity. And God expects us to have that kingdom mindset in everything. Right, we just heard about it. It's, it goes from being thirsty, being hungry, to being a stranger, to being sick, to being in prison. It's everything. It's all encompassing. 
And remember, we've been learning about being transformed in our mind. It starts here, and it goes into the heart, and it flows through our hands. It flows through the things that we actively do. It's one thing to learn about it. It's another thing to to wear it on a t-shirt, right? It's a different thing to actually go out and do something that may seem difficult, it may seem uncomfortable, it may seem hard, it may seem, I don't know, like the Good Samaritan story. You can read that story for yourself. Look it up. Google it. Google that story. Every example that's given in that story would have been awkward for the people to go and help the person in need. But it was the most awkward one that Jesus said went and, you know, actually did the thing, actually helped the person. They're like, you should never go help this person, but that's the example that he gave. It's like the, the, the one thing that you would never do, that you say, God, I'll, I'll help anybody, but not that person. He's like, oh, really? And, and I think that's the mindset, right, that he's asking us to take, a kingdom mindset, seeing the world differently, but not just seeing the world differently, specifically seeing people the way that Jesus sees them. And how does he see them? Do you see people the way that Jesus sees them? Do you have compassion? He sees them, and he sees a beautiful creation of his. He sees somebody that's meant to be adopted into his family. He sees somebody that is meant to be taken care of by us, by his church. Do you see people the way Jesus sees them? Do you have compassion? Are you willing to meet needs? I'm going to say it the heavy way again. The decisions that you and I make have eternal consequences. Specifically, the choice to live and love like Jesus has eternal consequences. The unfortunate reality, right, is that oftentimes we, and I say we, I'm including myself in this, and maybe it's not every single one of you. Maybe, maybe you've gotten really good at this through the years of not seeing people this way. But oftentimes, we, we see people as kind of just another face in the crowd, right? We see people as just, uh, I don't know, that, that, that person's life maybe doesn't matter as much as mine. We would never say that, but maybe we kind of live that way in a way, right? It's like, oh, they're, they're struggling, but like, I'm good, so it's, you know, I'll just turn off the news or, or I won't go on Facebook for a couple weeks. I don't want to see any of that negativity. That's what I did. I, I can't stand seeing the negative stuff, but like I said, this isn't a guilt trip. This is about becoming aware. We got to see people created in the image of God as what they are, created in the image of God. They're not meaningless faces in the crowd. We gotta see the way Jesus sees, but poverty is just too widespread, right? There's millions of people dying from hunger. Like, I'm just one person, what can I do? You know, we convince ourselves that people are less worthy of our intentional love and care and compassion and meeting their needs because we can't completely erase the problems that they deal with. And that's a problem in and of itself. That's not a kingdom mindset, right? The kingdom mindset, as, as trivial as it may seem, is doing for one what you wish you could do for everyone. We need to see people the way that Jesus sees them, and he gave his life for them. Quite frankly, you know, we're called to do that as well, to lay down our lives. Remember, we're following his example. And we have an opportunity to make an eternal impact through sponsoring a child with Compassion International. I want to invite the team to come up. I didn't give you guys a cue point. You guys can come up now. But we have an opportunity today as a church to do something. This is Compassion Week. You may have seen the table outside the doors when you walked in. An amazing organization, an incredible organization that is doing for many different ones what, you know, a lot of people wish they could do for everyone. They've made it easy for us 
to step in and make an eternal impact in somebody's life. And this is so much more, I don't know, if you've never heard of Compassion International, what we have the opportunity to do today is to sponsor children, specific children with specific stories that matter to God, that you are going to be able to look at their face, you're going to be able to see their name, and you're going to have the opportunity to, to give them hope, to, give, to show them compassion, to meet needs, to truly see them, to truly see them the way that God sees them. You get to show them the love of Jesus by being involved in their lives and giving them hope that they may otherwise never know if not for you. Again, I point back to the duel of the fates, right? They may never know this kind of hope that only the Spirit of God can give through the church, through people in the church. They may never know it if not for you saying yes today, to seeing them today. And we have a goal as a church that everyone at Meadows would eventually sponsor at least one child. Some of you may already sponsor one or more, but we have a goal that everyone would sponsor at least one. And last year, we sponsored 54 kids, which is pretty incredible. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's worth clapping about. It's awesome. So Compassion, this year, they sent us 50 more. So the gauntlet has been thrown down. And, and seeing people, having compassion, meeting needs, Doing for one what you wish you could do for everyone. And when you do it for the least of these, remember, you're not just doing it for that child. You're not just doing it for their family, which, by the way, it impacts both. You're doing it for King Jesus. You're doing it for the one who gave everything so that we could sit here today, so that we could be here worshiping him today. But he asks us to truly follow, to truly take those steps got to understand how big of a difference you will make for the kingdom by doing this today, by sponsoring a child today. If every one of us would do for one what we wish we could do for everyone, the world would never be the same. And my wife and I, we've been sponsoring kids for quite some time now. I think the very first time that I was able to sponsor a child on my own was like, uh, I think we were at like a Toby Mac concert way back in the day or something. It was a long time ago. But I remember we were at the concert and they kind of break up the show by sharing a video and all these different things. And they show, like, they give you this picture of just what it looks like, the, the, the poverty that's happening around the world and the opportunity that we have to go and make an eternal difference, right? And so I have a picture of one of our, our kids from recent years. His name is Bayron. And uh, Bayron, he's, he's 11 years old, going on 12. And it's awesome to be able to interact with him. Like, I don't get to call him on the phone right now or anything like that, but compassion allows you to be pretty hands-on with these kids, right? You get to write them letters. You get to interact with them at major holidays, on like their birthday, Christmas, all that good stuff. And more than anything, yes, meeting needs is part of the equation, right? Giving them a chance to have, like, food every month, which seems like just a it's just crazy to think that they just don't have access to that stuff, but they don't. You're giving them access to something that they would otherwise never have access to with food and, and other felt needs, education. But most importantly, you're giving them hope. You're giving them and their family hope that they can actually see like, wow, somebody across the ocean or wherever they may be, somebody actually cares about me. Somebody actually looked at my face, read my name, and decided that I was worth taking a chance on to show hope. 
And the difference that that can make for eternity is what we talked about, right? I'm not saying that if you don't sponsor a kid, like that the worst is gonna happen to them. I don't believe that either. I believe that Jesus loves them so much. He may find a way to meet them where they're at anyway. And I hope that, I hope that that does happen. But the difference that giving them hope early in their life makes, it's crazy. It's crazy what it will do. You never know. Maybe you're, maybe you're breaking a bondage, a, a, a bondage of poverty that's been in their family for generations upon generations upon generations, and the seed that you plant in their life is going to help them to be able to provide for their family and to give their own family an education someday, or whatever the case may be, to show them the hope and love of Jesus Christ. So after the service today, you have that opportunity to invest in these children. There's a table, like I said, in the welcome area that you can go visit. There's going to be people there that will be able to help you kind of get involved with these children in a way. So I want to encourage you, after this final song that we're going to sing here, I want to encourage you to go and just at least go pray over those kids, right? If nothing else, if you're not going to adopt today or, or sponsor a child today, go pray over them. Go pray over what God is going to do in their lives because each and every one of them has a name. And like we say here at Meadows Church, every name, although a, a number, one of eight billion, right? Every number has a name. Every name has a story. Every story matters to God. These kids matter to God desperately. He died for them. He laid down his life for them. He loves them and he loves you. Compassion has like a, verse a bible verse that's like the creed that they you know whatever you want to call that it's like their you know purpose statement right first john three eighteen, dear children let's not merely say that we love each other right let's show the truth by our actions that's it that's it right there james the brother of jesus said it another way right he said that faith without works is dead it's meaningless it means nothing there cannot be faith without works and so we have to take a step today. Maybe today you're going to bring hope into one of these kids' lives, and I pray that you do. Maybe also you need to know that hope for yourself first. You're like, I need to, I need to know the hope and love of Jesus before I can give it to somebody else. And if that's you today, we're going to share the gospel right now, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ loves you. He loved you so much that he gave his life that you would be saved for all eternity, that you would be set free from the bondage of your past, your present, your future. He died and took that weight on his shoulders. And he rose again. He conquered sin. He conquered death. He made the enemy a footstool underneath his feet. And when he conquered sin and death forever, he gave us, you and me, the opportunity to receive everlasting life. If we believe in Jesus, if we trust in his word, if we say, yes, I wanna follow him. If that's you today, if you wanna decide to do that for the first time, mark it on the green connect card that's on the chair backs or tell somebody before you leave today. Tell somebody, I wanna, I wanna follow Jesus. I wanna know what that means. I wanna know what it looks like. We got a picture of it today, you know. Following Jesus means seeing people, having compassion, meeting needs, doing for one what you wish you could do for everyone. But make that decision today. Maybe you've been thinking about it for a really long time. Or maybe you need to recommit your life 
to Jesus. Maybe you said yes to him in the past, and today's the day that you're gonna say, you know what, I've, I've gone my own way for long enough. I've been walking the wrong direction. Even after I said yes to you, Jesus, I need to, I need to come back. I need to come back and find you again. Write that down on the Connect card as well. But don't leave today without making a decision or doing something different. Again, like Rachel said earlier, prayer is so important as well. So the prayer warriors are gonna come up later today. I encourage you to meet one of them as well. Meet somebody, pray with somebody, utilize the prayer room. There's also garden prayer room at 1 p.m. Come back for that. What I know is, is that we can never be too desperate for, for more of the presence of God, amen? And when you get desperate for the presence of God, that's when something happens in here. Something happens within you. It goes from your head to your heart, and then it flows through your hands, and the world will never be the same. It'll never be the same. So we're going to pray. We're going to sing. We're going to sponsor children. We want to make sure we get all those kids sponsored today. And if we need to, we can go online and get more names too. But man, I just can't encourage you enough to take a step to believe that God will do something with it. Jesus, I just thank you for the opportunity that we have to follow your example. To really, man, just not just hear your word and think, wow, that was good. Or to see a scripture and be like, oh yeah, that's super convicting. And then do nothing with it, but that we would actively, actually, really take tangible steps to doing what you did, Jesus. Seeing people, having compassion, meeting needs. Seeing the best. And I thank you for the opportunity that we have to do it together under the umbrella of the church, just this, this body of Christ coming together in unity, watching you do what only you do, working in miraculous ways. Jesus, we love you. We need you. We're desperate for you every day. Thank you for all that you do. You're so good to us. Amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for watching today, but don't stop there. I want to invite you to like or subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, share this message with a friend. I mean, there are so many people out there hurting, struggling, and you have the ability to make an impact in their life. And finally, if, you're, if you live in the Omaha area, I want to encourage you, come join us on a weekend service. We would love, love to meet you. God bless you.